When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. guest justin berkeley out of the prairie at the start of his big fall adventure thanks for tuning in to episode number 187 Welcome to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We've got a great show for you today, and on the brink of September 1st hunting seasons, we're taking you out to the prairies of Montana. We'll talk to our guest, Justin Berkeley today about the start of an exciting fall for him, and we'll hopefully help get the listeners excited about prairie bird hunting in the very near future. We'll get to that in just a moment, but first, thank you to Patreon patrons of the Birdshot Podcast, again nearing the end of August. You got a few days left to potentially get signed up, be eligible for all Patreon monthly giveaways, which right now happens to include a winner's choice option of a vest from Final Rise, your choice of the Legacy Summit or Sidekick vest from Final Rise, or a new pair of brush pants, the Sawbucks from First Light. Next winner will be drawn on September 1st. You can sign up for as little as five bucks a month. You will be eligible for those monthly giveaways. You get access to some Patreon-only discounts like the ones we have for Gumleaf USA and Upland Institute. And you'll get bonus content from time to time, including the new monthly bonus episode series I've started doing with Nick Adair of the Gundog It Yourself podcast. we got two of those available via the Patreon feed. Find it at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thank you for considering that. Please remember you can always rate, review, subscribe, like, and share the Birdshot podcast. If you are enjoying the show, leave a rating or review in your podcast app. Subscribe or follow the show, whichever of those options are available to you. Share an episode, tell a friend, or just send me some feedback, nick at birdshotpodcast.com. 
always appreciate it. And each and every one of those little things you take a minute to do goes a long way to helping the Bird Shop Podcast continuing to bring you great guests and great conversations like the one we will get to momentarily. The next time you hear from me, it will be September. So to all of you heading out for September 1st openers, I want to wish you the best of luck. I hope all of you are kicking off a season to remember. Stay safe. Enjoy every moment you get out there and try to remember to take a moment in the field. Stop, look around. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? Take it all in and remember we build this time of year up in our minds all year long. And I know from experience when you're continually looking forward to something and looking ahead to the next best thing, it's fun and it's exciting, but be careful not to let those moments pass you by. Remember to enjoy, try to be present out there with your friends, with your dogs, just with yourself out in the uplands. And I am, of course, telling you all this as much for myself as I am for all of you out there listening. It's the best time of year. Be thankful. We can all go out and do it and have a great season, everybody. Plenty more to come on the Bird Shop Podcast. I won't be leaving for my first hunt of the year until around September 10th, but that will be here soon enough, and I cannot wait. So, with that said, let's talk a little prairie bird hunting with our guest today, Justin Berkeley, a.k.a. Northern Forest Gun Dogs, as he's known on social media and his YouTube channel that he's getting fired up. Justin joins us today from Montana, where he has been since late July, I believe, training dogs, scouting for the fall. He had a unique opportunity in his life to take advantage and spend a good chunk of time out west before he returns to his home covers of Michigan, and that is exactly what he did. I want to let Justin fill you in on the rest of the details of his trip this fall, but I will say that I really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better. Enjoyed hearing about his Britneys and talking plenty of rough grouse, woodcock, and prairie bird habitat and hunting. I think you'll enjoy the timing of this conversation. And with that said, I'd like to welcome into the conversation and onto the Birdshot Podcast, Justin Berkeley. Welcome to the show. Justin, thanks for joining me on the Birdshot Podcast. How are you doing today, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thank you for having me along. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I, I want to imagine that you are parked out in the middle of nowhere looking out over some beautiful sharp tail grouse cover. Is that the case? Or did you have to go into more civilized area to get cell service no, today? That is the case. I saw <laughs> a cell tower out here in the middle of nowhere and I am just parked on the side of a dirt road. And yeah, I'm staring over a wheat field. Heck yeah, man. How uh, how was the run this morning? Did you get some dogs on birds? Yeah, yeah. Um, we moved a few coveys of huns, a few coveys of sharp tails. So yeah, it was a pretty good morning. Excellent. Well, I want to dive into what you've been up to lately as a little bit out of uh, jealousy and envy. You're, you're out chasing birds and I'm not quite there yet. I've been out a couple times and, and have had my dogs on some sharp tails around here, but I'm eagerly looking forward to my prairie trip. You're uh, you're going to be out there for some time, and we're going to talk about that today. But let's rewind just a bit and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and then we'll get into uh, what you've been up to lately. Um, my name's Justin Berkeley. I um, you you can find me as Northern Forest Gun Dogs. I grew up in the lower part of Michigan. I grew up, you know, my family has a tradition of hunting and fishing. That was kind of something we did. You know, my dad as a kid, they had a setter that ran around the house. Mm. 
and my grandpa would take that setter out down the tracks and it was rather easy to go shoot your limited pheasants back then you know unfortunately we don't have that in michigan really anymore at least not where i'm from yeah and um yeah so that's that's how i got started into this i was just raised doing it i growing up we had a beagle in a lab and then i ended up rescuing uh well I could only ride my bike. So my parents let me take this dog in when I got it, but it was a Springer Spaniel at two years old. And that dog lived to be 18. And I ran that dog. Yeah. I I mean, she was there as far as my dad could take me out hunting with her. And then finally I could drive and I could take out hunting, you know? And so that dog kind of was my start of, I'm going to go explore and figure out how to do this on my own. And that's where it started. And from there, I hunted with a few guys, you know, family friends that had Britneys. And I just kind of fell in love with the Britney and the pointing dog. And there was more to it than your dog just kind of running around in front of you and birds getting up and shooting at them. That's that's how I got started into this. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've got a, a, a little pack of dogs out there with you now. Yeah. I uh, personally own four, but I have 10 dogs out here with me right now. Are the dogs that you brought with you on the trip, are they kind of like friends dogs or are you doing it uh like as a side hustle kind of thing i'm trying to get my own thing started and get you know get off the ground as running other people's dogs and hopefully you know it helps kind of pay for what i'm doing in the future and i can continue to live like this yeah um but i do i knew a number of the people through social media or things like that you know our friends or family type of thing where i could you know i reached out and kind of hustled and was like hey i'm going to do this sure you want to send some dogs along and you know with the four dogs for the amount of time that i'm out here to just run them it would have beat them up yeah. you know they it's, it's hard on a dog to go every day or even every other day and put in you know that in this heat in that many miles so i you know i had the time to be able to run some other dogs and get some dogs on some birds and some experience and so I just kind of reached out to some people that I thought might be interested and yeah, it's, it kind of went from there. I wasn't expecting to necessarily to have this many people trust me with their dog yeah. right away, you know, <laughs> and it, it, I was kind of welcomed with open arms by a number of people. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You know, you got to start somewhere. And like you said, you got, you're going to be out there for a, for a duration that makes sense to have some serious dog power and you can get them, get them on birds. We don't need to get any more specific than this, but you are in Montana, right? Yeah, yes, I'm in Montana. I've been in Montana since the end of July, so I'm spending just over, I'm going to end up going back to Michigan, well, the end of September, early October, so I'm going to spend just over two months out here. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm tempted to dive in right there, but I, I want to go back briefly before we leave the uh, the Springer. I'm thinking thinking back to you riding your bike around. Were you chasing grouse with the Springer, too, or were in Michigan where you were were you further south than that? Further south than that. Okay. It was all pheasants. Okay. Yeah, it was all pheasants. Um, she did flush one bobwhite quail in her lifetime. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so no, it was all pheasants. Um, I, I will say there was a very seldom number of shots taken over her. You know, down there, <laughs> even if a bird does get up, you know, most of the time it's a hen. Mm. So, you know, you're looking for them couple of roosters that are running around the lower part of the state. And we didn't you know, we didn't go travel like crazy to go to good pheasant habitat. We just kind of have these areas that we, you know, I grew up deer hunting or my dad even grew up deer hunting that we would go and it's like, well, you can hear that pheasant cackle in the morning and be like, all right, let's go see if we can find that bird. Sure. 
Yep. And so that's kind of how it started. But she was one heck of a rabbit dog. She'd run rabbits, no problem. <laughs> that that was one thing that I I was watching the for the listeners. You did a episode with Cliff Enzer, Uplander, um, his bird talk, which is like a YouTube based podcast, and you were talking about grouse hunting, but you were talking about as you're walking through the woods and your dogs are hunting, you're kind of looking for objectives, be it a, you know, a patch of hazel brush, a brush pile, a deadfall, you know, you're kind of walking through the woods looking for all those things, which is very similar to what I do. And you, I didn't do a lot of this when I was younger, but you were like, it's, it's basically just like rabbit hunting. I'm walking around essentially rabbit hunting, looking for birds in these little objectives while your dogs are hunting. And I just thought that was kind of an unique experience because i never really did any rabbit hunting as a kid yeah no my dad trained me pretty well i was his dog but as long as you know as well as <laughs> yep. either, you know, my, we would go out and it'd be you know there might be a rabbit in there and of course he's like oh go kick that pile around or go look for that thick spot and you know he's looking for somewhere to get a shot from not that he was necessarily using me and the dog but yeah right. he my dad taught me a lot as you know as far as growing up in the woods i mean i used to go along with him before i could even carry a gun Yep. So I had nothing better to do but to go try to kick rabbits out and then carry them for them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's part of the grouse hunting thing. You know, those birds are looking for that thick, dark spot to hide in. And it's no different than a rabbit, you know. That, I mean, you kick up a lot of snowshoes up north. You kick up a lot of hares yep. when you're going around, and it's because they're coming out of that thick, dark spot where you're hoping birds hide. Yep, yep, absolutely. So how did you get the rough grouse bug? When did you When did you get into that? Oh, a buddy of mine. Um, his uncle, I, they're big into musky fishing and grouse hunting. That's what they do. And okay. so I, I started musky fishing with them, you know, and next thing you know, they're asking if I wanted to go grouse hunting and they grew up having Britney's. And so they, you know, I was like, all right, let's go. And here I am in the back seat of the truck riding with the Britney's, uh, you know, and I'm like, all right, this is kind of neat. And I'm sitting there going, man, there's a lot more opportunity at doing this than there is pheasant hunting mm. down in the lower part of the state. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I got it pretty good because my Springer lived to be 18 and my folks told me once she passed, no more dogs. So again, <laughs> I told, you know, again, I'm taking my buddies up north and I'm like, well, I'm going to play dog and I'm going to go try to kick these grouse up. And I, spent one year doing it without a dog really and then ended up buying a house and got a dog and i was like you know that was the first thing i did i moved in that house and i started looking for litters then i got uh i actually got two i got my male forest and a litter mate of his who she spends her life raising my nephew and my niece over at my sister and brother-in-law's okay and yeah they kind of fell in love with the dog and i ended up selling her to them and i had forest had more what i was looking for as far as a hunting dog goes and so I kept him and yeah, I, from there, I've pretty much spent every second I could up north chasing grouse, trying to figure that game out. And, you know, I've had pretty decent, you know, I had a pretty decent teacher. Them guys had a lot of years of experience going up there. And so my first couple of years going, they taught me a lot. And that's, that's kind of where it paid off to where I was kind of fortunate to get, you know, 20, 30 years of experience handed to me. Sure. And go, all right, let's see what you can do with it now. Cause he really doesn't, uh, my buddy's uncle really doesn't grouse hunt much anymore. Mm. He likes to spend his time fishing. Well, that's all right. They can, they can musky fish and you and I can keep chasing grouse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I keep asking him, I'm like, you know, when are you going to go with me? When are you going to go with me? And I think this year I might be able to drag uh, my two buddies and their uncle out there and yeah, 
you know, kind of gets, cause my buddies still go with me. You sure. know, they try to get a trip in where they get to go, but my, their uncle hasn't gone with me yet. And I'm like, you know, I got some dogs. You might want to, you know, enjoy hunting over at this point. Yeah. So, so was it that, so that house that you, you had, was that further North that was giving you access to grouse better? No, it was further North, but I still wasn't in grouse habitat. Okay. So you're still cruising up. Yeah, but I was still cruising. And then actually I ended up selling that house and moving back to my folks because now I had a dog, so they couldn't say no. <laughs> so I, well, I already have it, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I already have the dog. It's just told me I couldn't get one while I was here. So yeah, that, I ended up moving back and then I ended, actually ended up getting another house and I moved in in November and end of December, I went and picked up another dog. So it was like, as soon as I had the opportunity, I wasn't going to have someone tell me, no, I wasn't getting a dog. I was getting a dog. Yeah. How old is Forrest now? Your oldest one. He's going to be six this fall. Okay. He'll be six. So he kind of, you got, you got put on the Brittany path, you got Forrest and now you're, it it resonates with me. I, I know that, uh, it's kind of a, you can go off the deep end after you get number one. It's, it's a common story. Yeah. I need, he needed some help. Yeah. It was the mile and like, now hunting with Cliff, Cliff ended up getting a second dog before I did. Okay. And you could see come day two how wore down Forrest was and how he didn't have those fresh legs underneath him. Yep. And you could just kind of see how the weekends, you know, them long trips, you know, they were wearing on him and it was, you know, they need a little bit of help. And there's not many dogs that are gonna go every day, all day, nonstop mm-hmm. and the beginning of his life that is definitely what he did and you know i kind of got to the point where i was like do i want to run my dog into the ground to, to where i don't get to hunt over him as long because all the you know he's racking up some miles yeah and so now i yeah the four of them it's a nice little rotation you can run a dog in the morning and the evening those two take the next day off and you run the other two that's nice you yeah know, so, yeah you know you can give them a full day recovery before you're putting them back on the ground yeah well, I, w- I would imagine most of the most of the dogs that we're hunting with, they get that kind of a break. I mean, you can keep them pretty fresh that way, getting a full day off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what, uh, you know, these dogs out here, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm running five one day and five the next. Cool. So, you know, after after I was able to do some longer runs, obviously when everyone got out here a little out of shape and I'm doing half hour, 45-minute runs, mm-hmm. I was running everybody every day but that lasted a couple weeks and then i started you know the heat kind of got to us you could see some dogs getting tired and i was like all right i'm gonna start rotating everybody through so that you know there's no reason to put a dog on the ground if it's beat up you're not getting anything out of them so yeah i can rotate the dogs through and it's actually it's paying off pretty well cliff and i did that down in arizona when we went down there with our five dogs yeah and we gave each dog a full day off and you you know there was nights at camp that we were going man, I'm surprised how much dog power we got left because Montana kicked our butts last year. The dogs are pretty wore out. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were out there. You were out there early, weren't you? Yeah. We came out the second week. Okay. Okay. How did you, how did you meet up with Cliff? How did you connect with him? Cliff and I actually met at a field trial. Um, and we were the only guys there with Brittany's. Okay. And so, you know, we're pretty close in age, you know, it's similar dogs. Yeah fairly you know new to the field trial thing so we kind of got talking and it's funny it took uh we we started training together and then we started hunting together but it probably took to the third season you're a grouse hunter you get it before i took cliff to one of my spots (laughs) oh yeah that's i know that well (laughs) yeah you know we would go we would go hunt a different area yeah and you know it'd be somewhere we had never been and be like hey do you want to go check this out this weekend 
and we'd go check an area out, you know, but it did take you know, a number of years before. Yeah. Before you could realize you could trust the guy with going to one of your like honey holes. <laughs> Pretty extensive vetting process. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. I don't but, mind taking my buddies who don't have dogs. Right. Yeah. That's a little, that's a little different story. Yeah. Somebody that's somebody that has got a dog and shows an inclination that they, they know what they're doing out there. That's a different story. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, you get to know someone, you realize, you know, there's that respect part of it where I know, even if I'm not in Michigan, Cliff's not pulling up to one of my spots, parking his truck and getting out and running the dogs. Right. You know, there's that, you know, you got to respect what people are willing to show you and not go just taking advantage of it. Yeah. You know, there's kind of a, like you said, it's, it's a trust building process and it's, it's a little different with everybody, but there is, there's sort of a mentality. There's a difference between somebody that kind of gets a thrill out of going and finding a new spot and wanting to wanting to go through that versus somebody who's kind of looking for the instant gratification, quick fix, like, oh, we found birds here last time, so I'm going to go right back there, right? That's two different kinds of people, and you got to sort of handle them differently. Yeah, and that's kind of like out here. Like I haven't been on the same piece of ground since I've been here. That's cool. And I haven't been on, I went to one spot that we were on last year and that was it. You know, other than that, it's all just been new ground and new birds. So how much has Cliff paying you to scout before he shows up out there? That's what we, I haven't discussed <laughs> that with him yet, but I do text him when I, you know, find a cubby of hunt here or there and I get into some good birds and I'm like, Hey, uh, just to let you know, I am finding a bunch of birds this morning or I am in a good area, but I, ha- I haven't really, he knows generally what part of the state I'm in, but he doesn't know exactly where yeah. I'm at. He's, you got a running tab for him. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'll start counting shotgun shells and charging by the cell. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's again, rewind for a second. I want to hear your, we're kind of hinting around that, that you're out in Montana for a couple months and you're about to kick off a, a epic season of bird hunting i want to hear like what the inspiration and the things that had to line up for you to do this man you know i wanted to work with dogs like my my whole life i've been wanting to work with you know i bought the property that we had and the house that we had and i had you know there was 10 acres there nothing big but you know whole barn ready to put kennels on and big enough to train dogs on it was all field there was a small local population of wild pheasants you know that was kind of what i wanted to do the woman i was with decided she wanted to go a different direction wanted to go wasn't thrilled about what we were doing and so at that point it was time to sell the house yeah and i either had to decide if i was going to be pouring concrete the rest of my life or if i was going to go chase what i actually wanted to do and you know it was like well where do i land do i go buy a house somewhere and it i bought a you know do i buy a cabin up north so i can grouse hunt and i knew i'd be sitting there in september going or even January or August, I guess, going, man, I wish I was in Montana. Sure. Yep. I'm not buying anything. I'm going to, I decked the truck out with a solar panel and a solar generator. And, you know, I put the six hole dog cap on the back so I could take the dogs everywhere. And I've got a little like 12 volt fridge and freezer combo I keep back there. So I'm not messing with ice and a cooler. And pretty much it was like this stars kind of aligned. I sold that house and that was kind of what i needed to fund doing this yep and you know at some point you know it's like all right how many times is life going to try to push you and going and doing what you want to actually do mm-hmm. yeah and i felt like that was a big thing that happened where it was at this point it's like well i got nothing to live for but the dogs i might as well go live for the dogs 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. Again, a little bit of things lining up and whether or not you wanted things to play out exactly that way, here you are and you took advantage of it. Yeah, no, I, it's probably, I mean, everything happens for a reason. That's the way yeah. I'm looking. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to fund doing this had we not bought that house and thought I was going to be there for a long time, you know, and if, if we hadn't bought that, I wouldn't have had the income from selling the house to be able to go off and do this. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, so obviously you're in Montana now, you're working up towards the season, scouting, training dogs, you'll start the hunting season there, but what's the, what's the plan for the rest of the year? Well, I'm going to be out here till the end of September. I'm going to head back to Michigan and I'll be hanging out in Michigan, chasing grouse around for a month and a half. Yep. Till the, till the 15th or so November. Yeah. I, I might stick around for that first or that 15th the i say the first week that's our first week of our gun season little deer season yeah yeah the 15th through maybe thanksgiving i might stay do thanksgiving with the family and then uh i'm gonna head southwest from there and i'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what my plan is it's Mm going to be fairly dictated by the weather but prairie chickens may be on my list and i'll end up landing down in the desert and hanging out down in the desert chasing quail the rest of the year yeah very cool. Yeah, nice to kind of keep your options open. And obviously, you've got some extra flexibility this year. You kind of go where you need to go and go when you need to go, too. Yeah. So, if it's, I mean, sleeping in the truck, if it starts getting real cold there and <laughs> deer season hits, I don't know if I'll stick around very long. But sure. I can knock a deer down. And then my dad's pretty good to me. He lets me keep most of it in his freezer. And like I filled my freezer with what I had left yeah. in Michigan and brought it out with me. So, I had, you know, plenty of venison meals out here nice and um you know if i shoot one obviously i'd probably butcher it at his place we that's one, like a family tradition and something we do everyone deer hunts we all butcher our own deer my sister does it now my brother-in-law so it's they kind of came into it later in life but my all the way from my grandpa through my uncles down to me you know and then on to them and soon my nephew's not too far behind. He's only three, but he's been on his first deer hunt now. Nice. Went and sat in the blind with my uh, my brother-in-law. So, yeah, it's it's a family thing. And that's I kind of want to be there for that first week of deer season if the weather allows it. And yeah. it would obviously put a decent amount of meat in the freezer and put it away. It's not like you can, I'm going to try to live off these birds, but I'm going to need some red meat. Sure. You know, yeah. Something to fill the freezer with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely am familiar with the deer camp tradition and yeah you don't want you don't want to miss that if you don't have to right yeah if the weather let me stick around i'll definitely stick around and then i'm thinking you know if it's not bad either south dakota nebraska something like that i'll swing through and might try to chase chickens around i've never done that mm-hmm. yep so that's kind of on my list and then uh the trip last year down to arizona i mean that desert's just fun to be in it's a it's a whole different environment from the rest of this country like you go i've Chase Chucker in Utah once. I've ran around in Wyoming. Um, when I went out there, I drove out to pick up one of the dogs I have. Okay. I was buying a puppy. So while I was there, I was like, went in Rome, buy a license, and spend a day hunting. You know, try to figure out, you know, go up and chase some birds around. I took sure. Forrest and a buddy with me, and we went and did that. And now that I've been to like a few different states doing things, and like I, yeah, hanging out down in the desert where it's 60 to 70 degrees every day instead of being in you know, negative five and snow up here in Michigan sounds great. It was awesome last year. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. And you're, I would imagine you're getting treated to some pretty nice, cool mornings in the desert as well. 
Yeah, yeah. If you can wake up, there might be a little bit of frost. You know, mm. like sometimes, you know, so you can go run for a little while. And then the one thing we were told is when it gets above like 70, 75, is when you got to start watching for the snakes. Sure. And so some guys are like, all right, once the temperature hits that in the day, they're done. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's kind of the same thing out here. Although stopping because of the snakes, you know, out here, it's not getting as cold at night right now. So then snakes can be out all the time. Right. Yep. Have you had any, have you had any snake encounters? I have not. Now, before you called me, the spot I was parked at on top of a hill is where I went to park. There was another guy up there out here with a few dogs and I talked to him and he has had a couple snake encounters really? already this year. Yeah. Yep. Thank. Did you, did you do anything like snake breaking or anything to prepare for that or rattlesnake vaccines or anything at all? I, I did not do the vaccine. I also don't have access to a rattlesnake. Now in Michigan, we do have a couple different snakes. Look, whenever I get a chance and I see one, um, I, I go get a dog and I bring it over there. Dog shows any interest, you know, I'm doing my own snake breaking trash breaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. I do the same thing with porcupines actually. Sure. Yep. Yeah, if you can find a roadkill one, even that's kind of fre- you know that's pretty fresh, or shoot one while you're out there, walk your dog in on it, and by the third time that dog, you know, it's normally pulling you the other direction. Like I don't want anything to do with that. Yep. And it's you know it saves you from a vet trip, and you know it saves your day because I have had the forest has probably been stuck by about six. Really? Okay, so he's got a little bit of interest in him. Yeah, and or it's, did it's have totally- it. Yes, it slowly went from sixty-five quills to twenty quills to ten to five. <laughs> so he was he was up. learning. Yeah, he'll stick his nose in there still, and I think they just kind of swing their tail at him a little bit, and yeah. he, you know, then he'll come back with a couple quills, and I just pop him out, and we keep going. But the first one was that was brutal. When that thing stuck him, he was like, "All right, I'm going to kill it," because he was he was not happy. Right. And yeah. That was we just shot. He was a pup. We had just shot uh, the first grouse we'd ever shot over him. It was in December. And then we moved. It wasn't within 10 minutes. We, you know, we're running the dog. He goes on point and kind of a little brush pile. And I'm like, let's see if we can kick a grouse out of this. Nothing. I released the dog and he kind of stuck his head in there. And that thing poked him and he came out with it. And he was not having it. So <laughs> that was a, that one cost me a bet trip. Yeah. Um, 350 bucks later and 65 quills and... I was like, all right, next time this happens, I'm going to make sure I can try to fix it. And it, next year, same thing. We just got going. He had about 20 in his chin, and I ended up shooting that porcupine, and I walked him in on it. And the first time, they stick their nose out. You know, you shock him. Second time, he got within about seven feet. I shocked him again. The third time, he was like, all right, I'm not going by that thing. And I've that kind of fixed our, <laughs> Yeah, that fixed our, I'm going to try to grab it probably. Yeah. You know, because you hear those stories about guys that their dogs inhale a quill. Oh, man. Yeah. Puncture along and you lose your dog. So it's not just, you know, the vet bill you're trying to save. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen to their dogs. You're, you know, anyone's dog messing with them porcupine. Yeah. 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 They're one of the unfortunate uh, things that you can encounter out in the wood. I mean, you know, it just it, it is what it is. There's perils and risks and stuff. I've been pretty lucky in that my dogs are. Hartley is the older setter. He's never really showed any interest. I had Rose was pointing a small porcupine last fall and she was, I walked in thinking, you know, I'm going to flush a grouse. And all of a sudden I see this, it was a little porcupine about the size of a basketball. Like, I mean, like 
maybe two feet from her nose. And I was like, oh man, if I have a porcupine incident, here it is, you know, cause I hadn't up to that point. And I thought as I walked in to try to grab Rose, she was maybe going to pounce on it, but she didn't. Somehow I got him, I got him separated and we, I probably should have, like, I could have just trash broke her on that, but I, I was, I think the way it unfolded, I was just like, oh man. And, and you know, there's that tense moment, but I've been lucky so far, I guess. Yeah, that's Cliff had been pretty lucky too. And then, of course, he was headed to an area with me. Mm. And I asked him on as we're pulling up, I was like, your dog ever been into a porcupine? And he goes, no. And I was <laughs> like, all right. This be, like, I know there's a number of them just in this area that we were in. And sure enough, we weren't five minutes into it. And yet he ended up getting stuck by one. And so that was his little incident. But Cliff, is, that's been his only incident he's had too. Like, it's it's not like they're out there going after your dog. Right. You know, it. Yep. something you know, if your dog goes messing with it you're probably gonna have to pull some quills yep you can have encounters that aren't really that bad but we've all seen we've all seen those those terrible pictures and stuff where a dog is really going yeah. after it i mean it, it can be really bad obviously yeah very high prey driven dog can sometimes be a problem i'm yep. waiting for that this season uh i got lucky last year lady my dog my female my own female um man if it moves, if it's running on the ground, that dog's like, it's fair game. Yeah. And so I'm, I got lucky last year. I think she didn't get into any, but we will see what happens. Cause she's already brought me out here. Shoot. She came back with a ground or one of them, uh, prairie dogs. Oh, really? Yeah. She, yeah. She just like, it doesn't matter if it has feathers or fur. Like yeah. she was chasing a couple of jackrabbits earlier and I, you know, I'm just using the collar to try to turn that off. Yeah. But, you know, if it's going to move and run away from her, she's like, I'm going to like, is this fair game or what? Yeah. Yeah. She's, I'm, I'm thinking that dog's probably going to have a go at a couple of them. <laughs> have you been, have you been seeing any porkies out there? Like in the brushy draws or the Buffalo berry patches or anything? I haven't seen any this year. Okay. We did have, I did see one last year and it happened to be, you know, it was kind of like that. It was a, the wet area, you know, it's kind of like a slough. Yeah. And sure enough, like we were actually coming out of the slough and it was me and Forrest and he goes, and I didn't even see this thing. It's sitting out in the middle of the prairie, real short, like eating down grass by the cows. And I, Forrest is running in front of me. I kind of look to my left and I'm just going, nope, 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 nope. We ain't doing this. Not out here. Not right now. And he stopped short of that thing. And I just like, leave it. Yeah. And he turned and went the other way. And I was like, okay. I was like, but I was, I did not need that going on, but I have seen just the one out here last year yeah that, that's good i the one year i did hunt montana we saw a couple but we were we were in an area that it was it was some big coolies and brushy draws so it wasn't all that um surprising but my buddy short hair did point one in the right in the middle of like a a little low patch of buffalo berries where it was like we were we were wet, ready for a sharp tail to get out of there and sure enough there was a big porky in there yeah, yeah, but I've been kind of waiting. I've been lucky, you know, having other people's dogs al- along with you. It's always right, little nerve wracking. Yeah, you know, there's snakes, porcupines, these barbed wire fences are everywhere. And, yep. you know, it, when you raise a dog and you kind of like, my dogs kind of know the fence thing, it's like, ah, I got to take it easy going through here because it's something that you make them accustomed to over yep. time. And, you know, and, it's some of them dogs, like, you know, if they're just not used to it, they don't have the experience. Yep. And so it's, yeah, it is a little nerve wracking. I will say that's one thing I have learned in doing this and having, you know, other dogs with me and being in the middle of nowhere is, you know, I, 
it, like, all right, take it easy going towards that fence. Yeah. Or, Hang on. Let me get in. Like, you're acting a little funny. You're not quite pointing. You're being a little weird. Let me get up there and see what it is before you get any further into sure. that. Sure. Yep. Yep. So. Speaking of critters, you don't want your dogs to tangle. I was looking at your Instagram, that video. Were those, were those coyotes that were howling off, like, right when you got to Montana? Yeah. Yep. We, I parked in a spot and that was, I was like, all right, we got here and it was our first night in. So I was, you know, just putting the dogs out for the night, just feeding everybody. And, you know, I wasn't going to run. I had just driven all pretty much straight through. I slept in the back of the truck at a rest area for a couple hours. And I was like, oh, I'm taking it easy. And yeah, those coyotes started sounding off. And one of them actually, after I put the dogs away, got within, you know, just a couple yards of the truck. Really? Yeah, I was in wow. my truck you know, on my phone looking at Onyx going, planning my route for the morning. And I hear one of the dogs go off. And sure enough, this coyote's right there just sneaking along. And he kind of acted wounded going across the field trying to decoy somebody to go after mm. him. Yesterday, I'm running two puppies on the ground. And I'm talking, you know, an eight-month-old, nine-month-old dog, not very big. They're, I mean, they're little Britneys. Yep. And then I actually was getting stalked by two of them yesterday i was shooting my blank gun off and everything like trying to spook these coyotes and it didn't seem to matter wow so i keep i keep a my 45 on me you know my pistol just in case i do need it for in a situation when i'm out running the dogs you know it's not like i'm carrying a shotgun right now yep and yeah these like it started barking at us up on the hill and then, you know, I shot the blank off and I, it came down the hill and I, it actually laid down in the brush where I could just see its ears and its eyes like, poking out. And I was like, man, it actually got closer to me after I shot that blank off. Jeez. So I ended up getting out of the brushy stuff where I could see a little bit better and out into the cut wheat. Yep. And I went over a little hill down into a little, like just down a little rise and I was coming up the other side. And sure enough, there's one of them coyotes and it's, you know, it's following me. It's just kind of quartering along with me, getting closer and closer. And I'm like, it's looking at these two 20 pound dogs as a snack. And so I ended up, I shot my blank. Oh, I had to reload it. And it's got eight. It's, you know, it's got eight rounds. Yep. And I ended up, I'm out there trying to reload the thing so it won't run out. And I'm like, I, there's no way I, from that distance I could have done anything with the 45. I didn't need to go scaring them pup shooting that pistol sure, off quite sure. yet. But I had it unbuckled. Jeez, you know, man. I was yeah. waiting for it to get in there and get a little bit closer, and I was going to take a crack at it. But it's yeah, it's something you got to worry about. You know, these coyotes out here don't necessarily see a lot of people, depending on where you're at. Right. You know, they've never been shot at. They don't have any. You know, they don't have any fear of human, and they're looking at this dog going, "Well, you're intruding on my territory." Yep. Or they're looking at it going, "You're small enough to eat." So yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's something else to kind of think about when you're out here running around. Was that um? Because that was another thing in in your and Cliff's discussion that I thought was, it, you were talking about kind of traveling with the dogs and you mentioned the stakeout chains, which I think is a great thing to mention to people is, is like when you're traveling, especially when you're in an area that you don't know the peace of mind and just the overall safety of putting stakeouts rather than letting your dogs just run around free. You guys had a, you guys had a coyote thing there where they were trying to decoy the dogs and you were kind of alluding to the fact that because you had them staked out, everybody was safe. Was that Montana or was that Arizona? I can't remember. That was in Michigan. Oh, that was in Michigan. No kidding. Yeah, that, wow. was, that was in Michigan when that happened. Yep, we were setting up camp in, I mean, open field, and these coyotes were just working around us. You know, we have a pack of dogs that just moved into their area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Had, I believe we had, because there was a guy with two setters with us there, so we had seven dogs at camp, and 
yeah, th- this coyote ends up coming out in the field that we're in, and, you know, it's doing its little t- territorial bark, and, you know, because they, they'll howl, and they have a territorial bark that they'll do. Um, I used to run a trap line quite a bit. Oh, really? Try to, yeah, that's, I would say that probably taught me the most about just animals in general. Sure, yep. But, yeah, I used to hunt some coyotes at night and things like that. And, uh, yeah, the you could definitely tell what he was doing. They were trying to they old lure a dog away to see they could smell all these dogs. They're going, what is this new pack in the area? You know, send one of your, send somebody over here so we can see how tough you are. Yeah. Type of thing. And, yeah, the stakeout, you know, all the dogs were there. You could tell a couple of the dogs are over there barking back, wanting to go that way. And if we, you would have had, you know, seven dogs just laying around, even four or five just laying around, there's a good chance one of them was going that way. Yeah. Yep. I had a bear incident in Michigan, actually, in July. Really? Uh, it would have been what June. happened there? Yeah. Man, I'm, you have the dogs on the, I've been, uh, I bought a four dog cable gang. Okay. And uh, I, I had the dogs out on that. And I'm just moving some totes in and out of the truck, you know, just kind of reorganizing the truck and. I pull my head out of the truck and there about 30 yards behind my truck is a bear headed right for the dogs. Jeez. I ended up, lucked, I had the pistol here. I grabbed the pistol. I go, you know, I had to yell and kind of mock charge that bear. And I mean, he was pretty big. You know, I, he's 55 gallon drum tall Jeez. at his shoulders. Yeah. I had to kind of charge the bear to get him to go the way, but he still ran towards the dogs, but quartered behind him. Wow. And then I seen him just stop in the woods and he's looking at him. And of course my, the smallest one I have is Minnow at, she would have been six, seven months old. Then was a dog that the only dog he could see from the direction he was coming from. And I ended up having to, you know, chase that bear off and shooting around out of the pistol to get him to leave. And lady, the one who's got a lot of prey drive was like, let me at it. <laughs> you know, so if, if you don't have your dogs, you know, if you're not, if you can't pay full attention to them, there's no safer spot for them to be, especially if you're in rattlesnake country. Right. You don't need your dog going and sniffing around random, you know, random areas at camp. It's, you might as well put them somewhere where you're like, well, I know what's in this two foot circle. You're safe right there. You know, it's just, you know, it's a peace of mind thing. Yep. Now for me, like when the dogs are on the stakes, I'm like, all right, the dogs are out on the stakes or they're out on the cable. I can do what I need to do and focus on this because I not all my attention is on them. Yep, hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Big thing. You know, some of the dogs I brought out hadn't been used to being on one. Shoot. Yep. By the time you run a couple dogs and get them tired and then put them on the stake, it's it becomes home. You know, they're like, oh, I'm on my spot. I'm just gonna lay down. Yeah. You know, it, it's pretty quick that they get used to being on those things, but it is something that you probably want to start at home before you head out on a trip with your buddies. And Ideally, like, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, you know what I mean? So. But it's, it's also one of those things, and I think you guys got into this too, where at the surface level, you think, oh, it's a, you know, it's a little post that I chained my dog to, but it's, it's heavily utilized or mentioned in like the Smith method of training where like there's some legitimate, legitimate training that can come from the simple stakeout chain by having your dog on there. And we won't get into all that today, but you know, it's, it's training without you having to do anything. Like you're saying, you can focus on other things and obviously that added level of responsibility. You got other people's dogs out there. It's just, uh, we've all been in, in bird camps where, you know, there's dogs running around and getting into stuff. And, and that's just, you know, it's almost like a, a polite, like etiquette thing too. If you're in camp with other people, just to have your dogs kind of set up on a, on a stakeout or something. 
or in the yeah, crate. Yeah, that dog has to, you know, it's mentally figuring out, all right, I'm I'm on my own. I'm right here. This is my space. I yep. need to shut down right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's I had a great training too. I mean, even when I was doing some steadiness stuff on my own, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm throwing pigeons and I got a dog out on the stake and it's, Watching. it's learning. It's gotta, yeah, it's yep. got to stand there and watch because yep. that stuff's hard to do on your own. Yeah. So if you can utilize, you know, it's, it was kind of like my woe post. Sure. But I'm just using the stake that it's already used to being on. And it's like, you already know you need to be calm there. You just knew you're going to stand there and watch me throw, you know, five, six pigeons out of this bag. Yeah. So you can use them for all kinds of things. And if the dog wasn't used to being on that, all of a sudden now the stake is you're getting resistance from the stake and I'm throwing pigeons. And so it's, it's a situation or one of those things that it's like, it's worth its weight in gold. Yes. Yeah. And keeping your dogs out of trouble, yeah, it it can do a lot for you if they're used to being on it. So you mentioned the the four dog cable cable gangs. I I haven't I haven't had my hands on one of the cable gangs. One I know they're they're popular and they're good setup. Do you have do you have some of the pound in stakes as well? I did. I didn't get my stakes from them. I already had uh, some of the stakes from Gun Dog Supply, the thirty two inch ones, I believe they are. So I already had those, so I, I have not bought their stakes, but I liked the four dog system so much. I actually bought a second one before I came out here. Nice, yeah. And that gives me the ability to actually put 11 dogs out on the thing because you you have your four drops in the center, and then you have your stakes on the ends as well. Okay, yeah. Yeah, good setup for you. How's the how's the truck working out? You're like you're like a month into it now. Like what, uh, anything you, you forgot to add or like some, some adjustments you want to make yet? Um, the one, the one thing I am kind of missing at this point is I bought a, I bought a shower bag to oh, bring out with yep. me and that failed instantly. <laughs> so the one, the one thing I'm missing is a shower and that would be, I mean, I just cook on a little one burner, yeah. you know, I screw on one of the little green propane tanks. I kind of, I did a lot of research before I set the truck up. Yep. Just uh, into as far as the solar and the generator and everything goes, um, the kennels are working out great for the dogs. You know, I've, we run some of these cheap, you know, $30, $35 fans, Cliff sure. and I both yep. do. Yep. And I I got six of them. I put one in each box. That's nice. And yeah, they, the dogs actually, if they're out on the stakes, there's a couple of them that'll kind of, you know, they'll whine a little bit mm. and kind of like be nudging towards the truck and i'm like you really want to go back in the box <laughs> and i'll put them back in there and turn their fans on and they yeah everybody like right now i mean they're right i'm sitting in the cab of the truck they're all right behind me and they haven't made a peep so that is the all right sleeping at night i am sleeping right next to those dogs in an aluminum box you can hear them any movement oh they yeah make, I do hear them. <laughs> yeah that is the one the one thing every now and then they're waking me up but i you know i don't mind the little alarm system sure sure so there have been a couple critters getting close, you know, uh, around camp. Um, if you are going to come out and do something with like this and you keep your dog food and your trash in the bed of your truck, I recommend you bring a mouse trap. Oh man. No kidding. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, you're part, it, it's a field mouse. Sure. You're, yeah. parking, you know, you're parking on the edge of these fields. It's not like I'm going back to a hotel or anything. And yep. sure enough, I, I opened the bed of my truck and I go, there's a hole in my trash bag. And I'm going, when did this get in there? And then I was like, it had to do it while I was sitting here sleeping overnight. And so I emptied the whole bed of the truck out, just trying to make sure there was nothing in there. And 
threw that bag of trash away and it was probably a week later i'm going dang this bag of trash now has a hole in it <laughs> and i'm assuming it was a different mouse got in there because i had emptied everything out that's what you but want to believe night, yeah now at <laughs> night i set the mouse traps i mean i caught one did you yeah yep so i you know it's just something i do at night just because i don't need i don't need a mouse running around and all my stuff no definitely not you don't want that i think i, I do I, have a canvas yeah i have a canvas tent back there and a wood stove so if it does get just a little light titanium wood stove so nice. if it does happen to get cold enough so, or if it's if i'm in bad weather for a couple of days i don't want to sit in the truck during bad weather right you know, it's it get it would get hot in here with the windows up. I do run uh screens on all my truck windows. Oh, how do you do that? Uh, I bought them off Amazon. They no slide kidding. on like a sock. Yeah, it's like I'm sitting here right now. The black flies are awful out here. Yeah, and I'm sitting here right now, and I got all four windows down, and even at night, so I still have some ventilation. I crack all the windows, and I have these screens on, so I'm not getting any bugs in here. That is super cool. I I never even thought to look at something like that, but I, I've got I run an SUV. I've got a Toyota Sequoia, and I like that for a lot of things. But the the big fear, obviously, is you know leaving it like getting too hot in there, or there not being enough airflow. But then, like when I'm at the cabin in the summer, I'll have the dogs out in the truck. But I'm always worried about a just the temperature not getting low enough. But then if I crack the windows, mosquitoes, you know and I don't think it would yeah. be that bad, but man, that's a, that's not, you'll have to send me the link to that. I'm kind of curious about that just because if you, yeah, if you got to leave the dogs in there on a, on a hot day or something. Yeah. It was like 30 bucks for these things. And I mean, I've used them pretty much every day since I've been out here. Are they like, are they unique to your vehicle? Like they have different models or are they kind of a universal fit somehow? I can't even picture them. There was uh they're pretty, they're stretchy. Okay. You know, they, they have elastic around the bottom. There's some stick on Velcro on each side that you okay. just stick to the inside of the door and you, you know, it kind of holds them down. Um, I actually bought one. I have a GMC Sierra 1500 and the ones I bought say that they fit an F-150. Okay. I, they've seemed to work just fine. I haven't had any issues with them, but there are, there's a lot of different makes and models sure. that did have quite a few for different cars or SUVs and that type of thing. Okay. So that was something I kind of looking into the truck life and van life stuff. I picked up on a few things that people are using to make life a little bit nicer living out of a vehicle. And yeah, the screens for what they cost was it's, it's pretty nice. You know, at night I'm not building a lot of condensation inside the truck because right. I still have ventilation. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Definitely. If you were planning on sleeping in your vehicle or even like you were thinking about leaving the dogs in there, highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. 
Design and build your next Upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit uplandguncompany.com. Uh, that, that's kind of the cool. I was going to mention that earlier, like obviously with the van life kind of being um, pretty popular at this point, like for all kinds of different reasons. But along with that comes a lot of innovations and people coming up with creative stuff. So you kind of benefit from that. Anything, anything else really neat that you put in your truck that you're really liking? Um, the, the fridge and the freezer, mm. you know, I mean, how many times I know I just heard Cliff talking about it and we were trying to figure out a way to keep things from getting mixed up in your cooler water. Yeah. Cause that ice always melts. You know, I haven't had to run into town and buy a bag of ice and I, since I've been out doing this and I've been wow. in and I've been out of the truck now since July 1st, pretty much. And, um, you know, so I haven't had it, you know, I'm not running a cooler with any ice in it i'm not messing with that you know it always melts it always gets inside your bag right and you're putting yeah. burns in there and you're getting blood in that water it's and a pain yeah yep so my recommendation to if you are running ice you know how they make those dry bags for like canoeing mm-hmm. yep you could put your you know you could put your gallon bags of birds in that and you're not gonna be getting blood in all your ice water sure yeah but but you know i wasn't trying to mess with ice and you know i drove out here with a freezer full of venison that's nuts it's not a very it's not a very big freezer, but I was able to keep it frozen. You know, I just took the last pack out of there. So it's been in there, you know, since like July 23rd. Yeah. I just took the last pack out of the freezer and I got some bacon, you know, package of hot dogs frozen in there just because I wasn't eating them yet. But yeah, it made uh, storing food and keeping food a little bit longer quite, you know, I mean, I brought a lot of meals out out of that venison and it's something I wouldn't have been able to do just running a cooler. Yeah. And one last thing you got to monitor, you know, you got a cooler and you're like, oh, man, how's it doing? How's the stuff doing in there? But you now, with that, you kind of just know everything's good. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, I wake up in the morning, I check to see how much power I've left in the solar generator. It's normally as soon as the sun comes up, it's already drawn in power and starting to charge. Um, yeah. And I walk around to the back and it's like, oh, yep, cooler's still on. So, I've, you know, as long as it's, you know, it's cooler at night, it's not like I would lose anything overnight necessarily, sure. but. Yeah, I do check it just to make sure because I did when I first started and got in here, I was doing a little test run and I did have it accidentally come unplugged just from inside the cab. I wiggled the 12 volt plug loose from the generator and sure enough, you know, the couple things I had in there had started to thaw out. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I get this plugged back in. I was like, why is it not on? But yeah, that uh, the solar setup is just real nice. The I'm charging all kind, you know, all my collars, yep. all my fans, my laptop, my GoPro batteries. I'm charging everything off of that. And so I'm not drawing even, you know, my phone. So I'm not drawing any power from my truck battery whatsoever. That's nice. Yeah. Was that, was that a pretty uh, significant upgrade to get that solar thing in there? Um, the, the brand that I bought is a Bouge RV. I'm going to do a little video. I've had a lot of people asking about okay. kind of how, how I'm doing this. So I am going to put a little video out on my setup and how I'm doing it. Um, it run, you know, you can look at their website. They sell kits and packages for the, the generator, the panel and a fridge. So they had the kits marked down from buying everything individually. And then they had a sale and I was like, all right, I'm finally doing this. I yeah. was like, I kind of waited a while and you know, I had to get a couple other things. I'm no electrician, and you see a lot of people hooking this their own stuff up out of some deep cycle batteries and putting their own inverter in and a solar regulator and all this stuff. And I was like, I am not messing with that. That's the last thing I need to be doing is trying to do, put all this in and have something go wrong. 
Yeah. So buying a box that already had all the outlets and everything on it, you know, because I have three standard wall outlets. Wow, that's nice. Three, yeah, three USB chargers on that plus the 12 volt. And really, I got Ys for everything. So I can pl- plug the 12 volt in. I got a Y coming off of it to where I can run two. Yeah. I do the same thing with the USBs because the inverter in there to run your standard wall outlets draws a lot more power. Yeah. I try to run everything off USB or 12 volt, but yeah, that system made all this doable, I guess. Cause I mean, you can, you could live like this, but having power to be able to run things and charge things is yeah. something you really can't do without. We've got a lot of devices now with the dog collars and even GoPro for your videos and that kind of stuff. So yeah, but man, technology, yeah, yeah. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Cause I already, I had a truck battery issue and I got out. Yeah. So I've already changed the battery out of the truck once. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't try to charge too much off of this. Who knows where I would have got stranded at. Yeah. So, yeah, I do have a little uh, plug into my 12 volt for my truck and it gives me the readout of my battery. And I noticed for a couple of days it was not reading where it should be. And then I had a rough start in the morning and I was like, well, let's find the closest place with a truck battery that will fit in here. And that's how I spent one afternoon was I went and ran a dog and I just left the truck running because I wasn't going to shut it off and get stuck. So I ran yeah. a couple dogs <laughs> to the spot and I was like, all right, it's time to go find a battery and went and took off and found a battery. It wasn't too hard. And then I ended up just changing the parking lot. But yeah, you know, that's some things, you know, you're going to run into, you're going to have some stressful days out doing this kind of thing. And sure. I just keep, I always remind myself I could be, you know, pouring concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, there's stuff's gonna happen. You can't plan for everything, but figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. What um and you you mentioned that you've you've got a YouTube channel now, so you're gonna be putting up some videos and and stuff there. Where can people find that? Um, it's under the same name as everything else. It's uh Northern Forest Gun Dog. Okay. So, yeah, I'm gonna put a. I have one. I put out the very first week out here in Montana, just so everyone could kind of see some good dog work and some bad dog work because that, that's kind of how it went. You know, there's personally, I have two puppies that have very limited wild, you know, zero wild bird contact before we got out here. And yeah. it, it's a whole different game than playing around with pen raised birds. You know, they were both pointing pen, you know, planted quail just fine. Okay. Retrieving a hand. Then you get out here, these birds actually move yep. and it starts to, you know, the dogs have to learn that. So I, that's, that was one thing I kind of wanted to show everybody is like, it, it's not always beautiful dog work. Yeah. You know, Forrest, I mean, I'm, I was blessed to get that dog. He is, he taught me more than I taught him. Yeah. Uh, and, um, that was, yeah, I was lucky to get him as my first one. Yep. And now, you know, ladies, she's one heck of a dog. You know, I've been working on some study relief stuff. You get to see some of that not work out, you know, while I'm out there. Yeah. Yeah. But. As things are going, you know, everyone's looking a little bit better. So I'll put out a video here before season opens. And, you know, guys that are coming out can use it to look for the cover I'm in. Sure. Yep. What kind of stuff I'm finding birds in. And then I'm, yeah, I'll do a couple from Michigan. And then whatever I end up doing after that, I have not fully decided. But I'll, you know, I figured I would document this little adventure I'm on of living out of the truck. I'll probably end up doing a few non hunting related videos of just you know this is what it's like living like this. yeah you know it's there's no there's no running water there's not a roof over my head sometimes you know i'm expecting at some point i'm gonna get caught in some rain somewhere for a couple of days and i'm gonna be sitting in that tent 
with, you know, the wood stove and that's where I'm going to be spending my time because I got, you know, it's a lot easier to dry out and I got a little bit more room to move around in the tent than I yeah. do inside the cab. So, yeah. 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 That's cool. It obviously need to document some of that stuff for yourself and the tools we have today to share that stuff. It's pretty easy. So yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I've been wearing a GoPro on my head now. I think this is either, I think this is season three. Okay. And I have not put out a single video because I have awful luck with cards getting deleted. (laughs) I heard you and Cliff talking about that. Oh man. I like, I have some footage from Montana last year. I got better as we went down to Arizona, but I did some pretty cool stuff and we had a great season running, uh, grouse. And like, I went up and, got into some sharp tails in Michigan. Mm. I, you know, I had an awesome season. My buddy and I, he had, he had only shot three roughs in a handful of woodcock ever in his life. And we go up to the UP and we got into woodcock, roughs, sharp tails and pheasants. And he, we shot one of each, you know, we got wow. at least one of each on the whole trip. And so he, you know, he had only, he had never shot a sharp tail, never even seen one never shot a pheasant and we went up and did that and i had all that footage and it's all gone so they got they got pheasants in the up too it's very it's they're they're waterfowl you gotta find they're in cattails that's the one thing about the up is it's surrounded by cattails you know with all the lakes yeah i if you're in i've had a couple people ask and it's like if you want to go stomp through some cattails and try to do it you can do it now there are some places up there that do a lot of like certain counties put a lot of birds out and so like you can find some areas or get permission to get some private property that's got some birds up there what about the uh the sharp tail hunting i can't remember up there is it is it like a over the counter for you guys like i know i've seen the stuff on like the haplands and how it works but is or is it a lottery hunt season at all no it's it's over the counter okay. you can get your it comes with the you get a free sharp tail stamp when you get your base license here in michigan okay um yeah you get the stamp and i believe don't quote me but I'm, i believe it's like six bird limit for the season right yeah so yeah and then two a day um it's nothing like doing it out here mm-hmm. yeah it's a whole different style of hunting it's a whole different habitat yeah they're using more mixed habitat yeah yeah there's a you know and there's a lot of guys i don't know why but there are a lot of guys that go up there and try to do it even like i see a lot of out of staters up there and i'm going if i was gonna make a destination out of trying to shoot sharp tails the last place i would pick is upper peninsula michigan yeah you know and it's a very small area you can do it in and you pack all them guys in there and it becomes you know if you don't get into them in the morning you're just playing ring around the rosy with everyone everyone's moving to a spot that someone's already been on that day so if yeah it's doable you can go up there and do it i you know i want to go do it i'm from michigan it was like it's a bird that we have it's an opportunity we have and yeah after coming up here to the prairie and getting into them in montana i was like all right i'm going up (laughs) and cliff and i had already tried it once and we were unsuccessful and we ended up we spent one morning out there and then we, it was a, I think it opened on a Friday. And then we saw so many people later that day. And really? there were so many guys out Saturday. Yeah, we just ended up saying, you know, screw it. We're going grouse, real rough grouse hunting. Right. 
Yeah. And we spent the rest of our trip just chasing roughs and woodcock because there are so many guys up there. Yeah. I, you know, I could see if, if you live near there and it's like, Oh, go grab a sharp, you know, try for a sharp tail or something. But yeah, as a, as a destination hunt, it would, and I mean, I don't know, maybe preaching to the choir, like obviously we're both into rough grouse hunting, but I, I'd have a hard time doing a lot of that when you know what kind of rough grouse hunting you could have just down the road, right? Right. Yeah. You're in the UP and <laughs> I mean, there's rough around every corner. Yeah. And it's like, you know, go fight with guys for spots. Yeah, I just, yeah. I couldn't, yeah, if you wanted to go after sharp tails, this is, this is what it's about. It's coming out here to do this where, you know, there's, you're actually, you're, you're getting good dog work. Your dogs can go out and range and find you a bird. Cause even up there, if you're on the state land where they have them, you're, it's thicker cover, you know, yeah. to see your dog. If you're running the hat properties, you're, you know, you're still, you got to keep your dog on that property. Mm, and there are, yeah, yeah, because there's not there's some people up there that aren't all that friendly about having, you know, the hunters on that land chasing the sharp tails. And I've had a couple run-ins with you know people coming out and going, "You can't be here." And I'm going, "Look, here's the map the DNR gave me. It says yes, I can." Wow. Yeah. And it's a neighbor to the property who doesn't want hunters there. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's ah, it. I would not. If you're from Michigan and you're in the area and you're like, I want to shoot one and, you know, I would like to experience this. I totally get that. I mean, I do it. Yeah. But yeah, as far as a destination spot to where is it something to travel to go do? I, you know, I would, you're going to see way more birds and be out on your own doing your own thing. If you're up in the UP hunting roughs. Yeah. Then trying to go chase sharp tails around and trading spots with guys. Yeah. Got it. All right. Well, I want to I want to talk a little bit about um, we've kind of covered a lot here already, and we're at about an hour. But I do want to talk to you about prairie birds. What you're not like what you're seeing right now is like a report. I mean, that, I appreciate that too. But I really want to want to get into like how are you finding spots? What are you looking for? That kind of thing. How are you? How are you getting the dogs on birds every day? What's your process? It's kind of right back to that rabbit hunting thing yeah you know and you, you look out through the prairie and you're picking out that one spot whether it be uh the snowberry the um you're looking for the what is that uh choke cherry yep uh, um i like i do like prairie grass that butts up to some sort of agriculture sure so i'm looking for all right well this and it's fairly easy to find around here there's agriculture everywhere yeah um but i mean whether it be these chickpeas or the wheat or the canola all those add its own little element you know and i i try to find i'm not looking for just flat prairie either i like something with some elevation yeah because typically them little draws will add in you know the choke cherry or some of them other berries they yep. grow and you can look across the prairie and go, all right, there's a nice thick green patch right there. That's, I'm going to walk to that first. Yep. And then from there, it's like, well, there's another one. I'm going to kind of angle that way. And, you know, you changing your body in which direction you're going, your dog's going to see that and your dog ends up working that direction. So you're kind of helping steer them. And, you know, it being out here, it's huge how these dogs learn to handle. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard to do in the woods. Not that you can't teach a dog to handle, but I don't have to give any commands. I don't have to give any beeps. Yeah, it's all visual. Yeah, I don't have to do anything. That dog just though, gets used to working with you. And they, you know, they're they're moving along and going, all right, I'm going to head in that direction. That's where you're going. And you can, you can kind of walk them into the spots where you think them birds are going to be. 
you know, so it's kind of the, you know, same concept. You got to kind of use your head and be like, well, that spot, right. If I was a bird, I'd be sitting right there. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of goes back to me bringing up the trapping thing. Like when I ran a trap line, it wasn't like, all right, there's going to be a bird or uh, whatever I'm after somewhere in this field. We just got to go find it. You have to set that trap within, you know, that animal has to put its foot on that inch circle. Yep. You know, so it's, it becomes more of a, that animal's going to be right here. It's going to put its foot right there rather than, all right, there should be a bird somewhere in this field. So you're looking for the, that cover that, you know, it, that stands out to your eye. The habitat within the habitat. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they use the whole thing, but they're going to spend most of their time in these select couple spots. And like the shark tails, definitely if there's uh like the choke carry that those are kind of like taller shrubby shrubby bushes like that you would see in the draws right yep yeah and then uh there's those patches i believe uh i believe it's a snowberry i man i say buffalo berry and snowberry and somebody's corrected me before and i i feel like everybody refers to them as that but i I know what you're talking about they're they're like sort of the green patches greenish yellow patches that stand out among the grass right yeah you can see them from a mile away you know you can see them on on the onyx app you know you can find those patches looking at stuff sharptails love that stuff yeah yeah you can walk through and go all right there should be a bird around here if dog gets birdie around on one of those that the bird might have ran i have been noticing these sharp tails running a little bit yeah yeah i've seen in some of your vids you've got some of the dogs are relocating and yeah i mean they they'll move for sure yeah yeah they're definitely running a little bit um the huns on the other hand which I, that's what we didn't get into as many huns as i wanted to last year mm-hmm. i actually didn't shoot one uh my buddy kyle and who came out with me and clip that they both got a couple yep but I, I missed the shot that I had, and so I had a little kind of vendetta coming out here where I was like, all right, I'm going to figure out, because it's it's fairly easy to shoot your four sharp tails in a day. You know, it's not that hard to do if you're putting your dogs in the right spots. Yep. Like we weren't having a problem doing that. And it's like, what do you feel, fill the rest of your day with? Yep. You know, and so my plan this year is I'm out to hunt hunts, and I'm going to take these sharp tails as they come. Yep. And... I've been doing all right finding these coveys of huns. I'm not going to lie. What's the secret sauce, man? Because I I got the same question and I've kind of come to the same. Obviously, I've, you know, I've only been hunting sharp tails for a few years now. And they're, like you said, I'm always hesitant to use the word easy, but fairly simple, fairly, fairly simple to pattern. I feel it's, it's easy to kind of, to see the pattern, see where they are, and then go find that and sort of repeat it. Whereas that has just simply not been the case with me and Huns and I, there's some things going on there on why that is, but I do seem to, I was just talking to a buddy about sharp tail cover and this Hun conversation earlier this morning that it seems like in Montana, people tend to get into more Huns in the prairie than strictly the ag, but I don't know. I would say, yeah, there's like two different styles I'm finding and it's like a range Hun, which I'm finding out in like the cattle range. And then there's these agriculture hunts. Okay. The range hunts have been a little bit harder to pattern. Okay. But as far as the agriculture goes, if it's got a stemmy structure to it, like if it's got some bushy stuff to it, and I'm looking at it going, all right, there could be some sharp tails in there, and it's real close to a some sort of agriculture field, I've been finding hunts. And I've been running some stuff from like, 
Eh, I don't know how good it is for the sharp tails because the the grass would be a little bit shorter. Okay. And then and there's this this pockets of this semi stuff stuff, and I'm going through there and I'm finding Huns in that mix next to ag. Hmm. Now I took that from doing it next to the ag fields and I'm driving out, you know, I'm seeing these ranges where there's cattle and the cattle got everything eaten down to the ground, but yet these little draws have just little semi spots in them. Yep. So the, the grass around it is too short for sharp tails. Yeah. They're not hiding in there. Yep. But I'm finding the Huns in that stemmy structure Interesting. in those little draws. Yeah. And, Last year when we came out, it was interesting because we were finding them in taller grass. Like, you would almost put them with pheasants. Okay. It was a taller grass, but it had stemmy structure with it. And we didn't get into as many last year. And now that I've kind of put this little pattern together, I'm going to, yeah, I'm hunting huns. I'm, <laughs> I'm hunting huns. I'm going to go after, I'm going to shoot a few sharp tails along the way. Yep. But I, that's my focus at this point. I keep texting Cliff, too, and I'm like, I found five cubbies of huns this morning. He's going, <laughs> what? You know, like, all right. You know, and I'm like, yep, I got a little pattern figured out at this point. I've had enough time to spend on the ground. And with the little bit of knowledge I had of them before this, you know, I've never even shot one. Yeah. But yep. I've seen a whole lot of them in the last month. Yep. I think I've only, I've only killed two in my four years or so of going out there and have not put up many. But you have to, you have to text me some pictures of some of this vegetation that you're seeing. I was going to say that's it's kind of like what you're talking what you're describing is almost akin to how you and Cliff were talking about grouse hunting where you're basically hunting for rough grouse and you'll sort of take the woodcock that you're going to find that you know you're going to find along the way so it's almost the same way that you're kind of putting your sole focus on hunts because not not really comparing sharp tails to woodcock but as far as like predictability and knowing that you're going to get into some it's kind of similar right yeah yeah exactly i would that's a really good way to put it you know you're going after that harder bird yeah. possibly at least from my experience they mm-hmm. were a harder bird to we didn't pin down where they were what they were doing last year right. and i was like i'm going back to pin down these birds so i understand them a little bit better you know i uh I got started into grouse hunting, but I got hooked on woodcock just by how unique they are yep. and patterning them and running them in the spring and how the cover is almost different. But it's, I want the, the harder contact for the dog. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I go up to the UP in October-ish, early October, and the woodcock have already kind of started to shuffle down. Yep. So I'm kind of skipping over those woodcock flights at this point because I'm like, I've kind of been there, done that. Like I I've shot enough of them. It's, it's easier dog work. It's good for a young dog. Definitely. Yep. But I, I want that challenge for the dog of having to hunt, you know, the King, you know, going out and hunt the grouse. And there was kind of the same thing here. Like we came out and the, the sharp tails weren't as difficult to find and as difficult to get on. And even the huns seem like they get up a little bit sooner than at least the September sharp tails. They seem to get up a little bit sooner, a little bit further out. They don't let the dogs work quite as well, so they got to be a little bit more cautious. And that's more or less what I was lo- looking for this year when I came out here, rather than the, uh, you know, the sharp tails right now, especially. And we noticed even while hunting last year, you can get some pretty decent dog work out of them. Yeah. You know, they're they're not the most, they're not the hardest thing for a dog to hunt. To where we are noticing these huns, we're getting up forty yards out in front of the dogs before the dogs even pin them down. And it was like, all right, let's, 
I want to go play with them a little bit and see how big of a challenge that's going to be. And I don't know if it's because they're, they haven't been educated yet. I haven't, I do have them getting up slightly out in front of the dogs a little bit, but I've been getting some pretty decent dog work on some of these huns and I've been able to pin down. I've, my Onyx is, I have more huns located this year than sharp tails. Gotcha. As far as that goes. Yeah. I've been, it's been a focus since I've been here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, focusing on on the areas you need improvement in. That's cool. I, I have a, I I have a theory that, or not really a theory, but I think people, new pointing dog owners go through like a woodcock honeymoon phase. You know, if you're in if you're in grouse and woodcock cover, you kind of, and myself is included in this group because like you get your first pointing dog and the woodcock are easier for to get on and get a hold of for those dogs. And so you kind of, you get infatuated with that because you're seeing a lot of dog work. Right. And then yeah, I've sort of totally. kind of yeah. went back to my, my main focus is grouse. And I, and I enjoy, I enjoy all the woodcock contacts that we get, but it's a, it's like a little hierarchy there. Yeah, definitely newer hunters, younger dogs. Like I said, I, I'm yep. definitely, I got some spots where, I know I can kind of roll through and put a pup in front of, you know, 30 to 40 woodcock in a cover. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to, I got some. You don't even want to take forest into that cover. No, not anymore. Even like lady, you know, last year, you know, I shot, I I shot five woodcock last year. Yeah. And, you know, in years prior, it's been, you know, 10 times that, you know, it, you know, you can go out and, you know, when you got a young dog, it's a lot of fun to go do. You can get your three every day. Yeah. You know, and last year it was like, it better be like picture perfect. Like I want to stop and take a picture with my phone because you look so good on point. Then you know a grouse is going to flush when you do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's like, all right, I better have a real nice shot at this bird. I'm not just flinging lead at this woodcock. Like it's going to be something real nice. And yep. yeah, I kind of, that was ladies first season last year, my own female. And so I kind of tried to keep her away from them. I was like, we're not even going into woodcock cover. I want a grouse dog. Yep. You know, so it was, you know, one of those things where I was trying something a little bit different. Woodcock definitely helped make Forrest what he is because we got on so many. Yep. And like running them in the spring, they're just a really cool, unique bird, which is, you know, and the spring training alone that you can get on them can do great things for a dog when they're migrating back north. Yep. Um, But yeah, it's, yeah, at this point, like, and I'll take my buddies out, you know, and I'm like, all right, yeah, like, we're going to go. No one's, you guys aren't shooting very well. Dog's having a rough day. Let's go run through this spot. Sure. You know, you guys need some shooting in. Dog, get a you know, some points in, and everybody have, you know, kind of raise the, everybody's level of excitement up some. And I've definitely taken, you know, a dog, like Forrest, for example, like we were having a rough day on grouse. And I was like, all right, that's it. I was like, we're going over this spot. There's some woodcock. And I, you know, I was picking them up and setting them down. I was like, I ain't even shooting these things. I just want you to, like, you're going to watch it fly. I want you to, you know, I need some good dog work out of you. I went over there, sure enough, get some good dog work. My dad's out in the road. Like, are you done yet? You know, and I'm like, no, hang on. (laughs) Like, a couple more. And, you know, I pull the dog out of there and we go back to a spot. And I'm like, all right, there's going to be grouse in here. And, Turns in, you know, the rest of the day was really nice. Real nice dog work. We shot some grouse over them, real nice points. You know, and it was one of those things where you can use them to your advantage. I may have taken advantage of it in the past where I was like, awesome. You know, like you said, you get that little 
that young love like yes. oh man look at my dog pointing birds yep and it's yeah it's a blast you know and not that it teaches them bad habits but i think too much of it teaches that dog that it can get real close to a bird yeah i, th- I think there's something to that and appreciate the idea that you're taking it a little bit differently with lady, you know, experimenting, right? Like, well, I got forced into a ton of woodcock. Let's see if I really, really focus on grouse. And again, knowing that you're going to get some woodcock contacts throughout that. Yeah. And I definitely, I had shot a couple over her last year. You know, it was, I think that trip I spent, uh, the early part of October in the UP and I thought we only saw five or six. Yeah. I think we saw six and shot five. I shot two. My buddy had shot three, but again, he had, shot like five woodcock in his life before the trip and it, you know and it was he's out there like dogs on point if it flies i'm shooting i'm like dude like all more power to you i don't care like yeah. you know like you guys a lot of guys you know they take this is their vacation time you know yeah. it's their time away from family away from work they're not making money this week they're out you know spending time out there doing something that we love to do and I don't try to hold them back from shooting even at busted birds you know things like that you know it's you can fix a dog later and it's like, you know, these guys come out and the, my one buddy had been on like nine different days before he shot a bird. And it's like, man, you've probably walked 10 miles a day. You racked up 90 miles for that grouse, you know, probably. And it's like, man, I, you know, they, I'm not going to tell them not to shoot at one if it gets busted. Yeah. At that point, you know, they're putting in a lot of time and, you know, taking time away from their family to be out there and enjoy, you know, get involved in the sport that we do. And dude, now he's coming out to Montana this year. Wow. That's cool. Yep, yeah, he spent some time with me in the UP, and we had a good time last year, and he was like, man, I'm, I want to come out and do one of these trips, you know, because he got to see sharp tails up there, and I was like, man, you got to see, like, real sharp tail hunting. Yeah. And he was like, all right, I'm coming, and there's another guy that only, dude, he's been, he's a deer hunter and a big duck hunter. I used to uh, work with him at a concrete company, and both these guys, actually, and they were like, man, do you mind if we come out and ride out with Kyle? is kyle does all these adventures with us my yep. buddy and and it was like yeah if you guys want to pull your money together for gas and the three of you want to ride out and meet me and cliff out here it's like come on out so they don't you know they don't have any dogs they get to come out and just experience the good part of it and get to you know see some good dog work and i kind of tell them they're spoiled yeah i'll say you're out there scouting months in advance yeah yeah there's <laughs> you know people pay a lot of money to do stuff like this for and sure. it's like you guys you know they take us out to dinner they you know they buy us you know we'll go out normally when they're in town or something they'll take us out to the bar and get us you know a drink or two and they buy us dinner and it's yeah. like yep that's that's a little fee that's all it cost you was to get here and feed us a couple times but yeah it's, i like sharing it with younger people and you guys there's yeah. a lot of people that like kind of reach out now and ask about getting together and hunting in places and i have i have a hard time taking people out i guess at that to be just be like yeah come meet me i'm gonna take you out i have a you know i don't know their experience level there's dogs on the ground yep i understand they may have a dog i you know i don't necessarily have there's not a ton of spots you know that's the thing about michigan is if you're hunting grouse you know you're doing it in the top half of the state Mm -hmm. yep so now you're narrowing down you know you can narrow down the east and the west side real fast and it becomes a real small area yep that you can pin down to where guys are hunting and I'm not trying to put extra pressure on birds and areas, Yep. but I have no problem. You know, if someone reaches out to me answering some questions for them or giving them some tips and advice or, 
hey, I was, if they ask, hey, I was thinking about going to this area, there's a good chance I've probably put some boots in the ground over there yeah. at this point. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going out to the prairie and it's kind of the same thing out here. You know, I don't, I've had a lot of people asking, you know, what to look out for. I'm planning my first trip. And sure. I got no problem, like helping guys out, you know, especially safety wise with dogs. Yeah. But I, yeah, I've, that's my, that's probably something I need to work on is I'm, I'm not huge on having a guy show up and just go, well, yeah, come reap the rewards of sending a message to somebody. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to mean more to you if you do it on your own. Absolutely. Yep. For sure that. But I hear, I mean, again, time is precious and you know, it sounds like, you know, you're lucky in that you're getting to spend a lot of days doing this. I I would put myself in the same category, but even still it's, it's a big deal to, to take somebody out and and that's a, you got to be in a kind of a different mindset too, you know, depending on how well or how little, you know, the person. So yeah, it's um, it's not always the easiest thing to do, and and again, it's like you, your dogs, what you've got invested. I mean, it's there's a like I almost describe it for myself. Sometimes I'm a little bit selfish, you know, with with my time in the woods with me and my dogs, and just that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I would consider myself a bit of a loner. You know, I mean, <laughs> I spend more time with dogs than I do with people, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, I that's kind of why I like doing it. One of the things, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I got some buddies that I've known, like Kyle and I have been rabbit hunting together since high school and yeah. pheasant hunting together since high school. So it's like, yeah, he comes out and does these things. And Jake and Joe are coming out this year. And, you know, they're two guys I met through work. And we've had a good time, you know, hanging out. We've gone out, shot clays. You yep. know, these guys, I've, I've heard them, both of them, multiple times at this point go. And I'm like, why didn't you shoot? And they're like, well, the dog was right there. And I'm like, That's a good the dog sign. was nowhere. Yeah, the dog was nowhere <laughs> in the picture of where you couldn't have shot at that bird. But if that's what's on your mind, like you are more than welcome to continue to go with me. Yeah. Yep. You know, so that's like, I they got and they really appreciate what they get to come do. So it's like I don't. I talked to uh, I talked to a guy down in Arizona, and the way he put it was, you know three can become 13 real fast. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, no, what? I get it. I totally get that. We actually ran into, uh, Patrick Flanagan down there. Oh, did you? Yeah. 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 And so he said that to us, you know, he was like, careful. He goes, three can turn to 13 real fast. And I was like, all right. And I was like, you know what? I totally get where you're coming from. Cause I kind of asked him, I was like, he's a guy down there. Yep. I, obviously yep. I was like, you know, if you got if you got a spare time and actually want to carry a gun, I was like, we're gonna be here through this date. I was like, you know, feel free, you know, let us know if you want to get together. I just kind of threw that out there because sure. we ran into him, and he was like, yeah, keep your circle small. And it's like, yeah, I totally get that. I was like, it's and it's not that I don't want to help guys out, but I'm more than willing to like give some advice or point in the right direction. But yeah, I do like my time with my dogs and just kind of. I'm walking along and it's nice that I wear the camera because it gives me an excuse to talk to myself now. Sure. Yeah. I'm walking (laughs) along just talking to myself, having a good time. And whether I'm, you know, I'm just looking for some good dog work. Yeah. You know, that's kind of funny that uh, you mentioned that about the camera. Like when I'm hunting, like I always think of rough grouse hunting because that's what I do the most of, but I'm like talking to myself regardless of whether that can, but I'm like, you know, I'm describing the cover to myself and I'm, and, you know, I'm calling out this deadfall or that patch of hazel brush or this edge I, much, you know, probably pretty similar to what you're doing. And I found that last year was the first year that I really committed to wearing the GoPro and 
it was, I, I just liked it even just for myself, just like I was kind of describing the hunts and stuff. And then as I went back and watched it, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. You know, you're walking along going, man, there should be something here. Yes. Yeah. This looks right. Oh man, that, that uh, there's gotta be something in these pines, you know, and you're walking along going, oh, there's a little, there's some raspberries here, you know, and I'm gonna go, I guess I'm gonna work up over this hill. You know, just like things like that, you know, I'm out there talking to myself and now with the camera constantly, it's like, ah, yeah, I got a reason. Actually, I don't look at, you know, it looks a little bit more normal. Yeah. Right. I'm right. Just, I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the prairie real quick. Do you know what buck brush is? Like if I say that, does that draw anything up in your mind? I believe I'm sitting here looking at some. Really? Okay. You have to yeah. text me a picture of it because I don't recall hearing that term or it didn't resonate with me, but I think my guest on the episode that I put up today, Pete Hand, but I think he said it. And then I was reading, um, I was reading a book about sharp tail hunting and then mentioned it there too. And so now I'm trying to figure out what the heck is that? Cause I'm sure I've seen it, but not knowing what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, if, if I, if I'm correct, it's this stuff I'm looking at, it's about waist tall and it's a really bright green compared to the, uh, it, it's the choke cherry is like a darker green. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's, this stuff's way taller than your, uh, the snowberry and stuff like that. Like it's, it's got kind of the same broad leaf on it, but it's definitely a different kind of, it's, it's got a different build. It's like grows in bunches and it's, you know, and it'll just kind of grow straight up out of the ground. It doesn't really get too stemmy out wide, Yep. but yeah, it's about waist tall and it's like a, it's a different color green to it. I'll have to, yeah, I'll walk up here. I was kind of thinking about doing that anyway, running the dogs through here. Yeah. But I'll have to, yeah, I'll send you a picture of what this stuff looks okay, like. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious if I, I might have an idea. Otherwise, I'll, I'll figure it out. But yeah. And that's, yeah. Not like, okay. I'm no prairie expert by any means. Right. So I yeah. Could be Clearly, off, I'm not either. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what this is here in front of me. Cause there's actually, there's the snowberry, there's this, I believe, what is that buck brush? And then there's choke cherry all in these little ravines in front of me. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that I was, I actually, I ran the dogs on one side and found a covey of huns and I was like, I wonder if I should go hit that other side. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, uh, if I think of it, I'll, and we confirm any of this stuff, I'll maybe throw some links up in the show notes on some, some prairie, uh, vegetation identification. What, uh, before we close here, are you happy with what you're seeing? You get into some birds out there. You're kind of feeling like a thumbs up for the season. Yeah. I was a little worried at first when I got out here and I'm like, man, I'm not finding any sharp tails. I, you know, found a couple of coveys of huns but in the last week i have seen so many combines running around taking down all the crops okay. you know the wheat coming out the canola's coming out i've seen a lot of the chickpeas coming out and i'm kind of focusing on those areas where the fields have been cut and i'm seeing a lot more birds gotcha than i will so i think they would you know they're out in those wheat fields right now because i was actually parked the other morning and I woke up in the truck and I could hear that, you know, oh, there's yeah. sharp tails flying past my truck. Yeah, you know that. And they're they going out and landing in the wheat field. So I know they're out in some of these grain fields right now and they got no reason to leave. They got all the food they want, they got cover. But as they're coming down, I am finding a lot more birds around fields that have been picked. So yeah, I, th- I, I think it's going to be a pretty decent year. There are some dry areas. I've been, you know, I mean, you figure I haven't stopped moving yet. Um, right. There are some real dry parts of the state where the bird numbers don't seem to be as great. And then if you kind of pull into an area and you're like, man, I've been seeing some lush green fields now, 
you're finding a lot more shark tails. Yep. There's some pheasants mixed in for sure, but uh, I've been finding you know a covey of huns here there around that thicker stuff. Um, I think that's why I've had so much success with the huns is because I'm in these drier areas when I pull into them, I'm focusing on the shrubs and the cover. Gotcha. So there's nowhere else for anything else to be other than in that stemmy structure. And I'm working through there. And most people probably be like, well, there's no reason to go hit these two draws. That's all that's there. And I'm hitting those two draws and moving a covey of huns. Yeah. So it's a short walk because there's nothing else around to even bother walking through, but it is kind of, it's forcing the birds to be in one spot. Yeah. And it's been paying off that's one of the unique things about like your ability because you're out there for such an extended duration, you know, everything is in perspective. You've got more time to go check out stuff that, you know, if you're out there for four days, you've got to really high grade everything and, and try to buzz by those things, but you're getting a chance to go hunt some of those, take those small walks and stuff. And I'm sure you're learning a lot about birds and you're getting confidence in that stuff just because you've got extra time out there so that's nice yeah yeah but it has you know i drove out here kind of like well i have five days experience hunting in the prairie yeah and now you've like tripled that already yeah exactly yeah and it, you know i'm like i said we saw shoot we saw three three coveys of huns and one of them was twice last year i saw five this morning yeah you know so it's yeah i'm i've definitely been able to put some of the puzzle pieces together and yeah, it's, uh, it's paying off being out here and running the dogs. Just as far as that goes, the dogs are all getting in better shape and I can already see them improving. And yeah, I've, uh, I've enjoyed kind of the peace and quiet of it. You know, there's been a couple storms that have been a little sketchy. I did drive, uh, down a road. I probably didn't need to be on after some rain. Oh yeah. And the dealt with the gumbo. gumbo for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I definitely did some, uh, slip and slide down a couple hills, but it wasn't, it, I didn't have that far to go to get out to a main road. And I was like, I slept there overnight. And I was like, I know it's going to rain. I'm probably going to have an issue getting out of here. And I luckily have everything I need to stay for a few days somewhere, you know, if not longer. So I could have waited for things to dry out. But I, I walked down the road a little bit and it was sticking to my boots. And I was like, yeah, this would be interesting. Let's give it a go. And yeah, I drove up. I ended up driving out of there. But it is something if you're headed out here, that's something not to play with. Yeah, right. Yep. definitely something not to play with getting out on these roads after rain you know usually uh, people are pretty quick to bring it up because of the like the severe like it really is something, but it's before going out there i'd never even really really heard of that or would even have considered that you know we're used to rocks and sand here right yeah and like if yeah if, if you're gonna slip and slide somewhere it's because there's snow and ice on the ground yep. where we're from yep and yeah no it it looked good it looked perfectly fine but you get on there and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah my tires were they looked like chocolate donuts with icing around the outside of them you know, it was, <laughs> they were mud packed on there and it was just it was slick and yeah. it was you know i didn't have far to go i didn't i didn't feel like i was putting myself with the dogs in any danger i wasn't going down any crazy hills just a couple little ones and that was something, you know, even those types of situations, it's like, oh, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning something while I'm out here. I'm enjoying it. And yeah. I haven't ran anything yet. I couldn't quite get myself through. I figure if I can get myself into it, I should be able to get myself out. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. man by the end of it, you're going to have, you know, like compared to somebody that maybe makes an annual trip out there or something, you're going to have like 10 years worth of hunting experience all packed into one year. All you got to do is sell a house, live out of your truck and head out to head out to the prairie for a couple months. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, I got a lot of experience in Michigan yeah, hunting grouse. Yeah. 
I'm going to be, it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to spend every day getting up and it's, you know, I'm going to wake up in grouse cover to where I can step out of the truck, put a dog on the ground, start walking. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to kind of exploring the country and yeah, growing up, I didn't get the, we didn't travel a whole lot. You know, we didn't go, we didn't go travel in the country. So there's a lot of this country I haven't seen. And yeah. we went and took off last year for these couple hunting trips. And I was like, man, I, I, okay, I can't get enough of it. So I'm just, yeah, I'm playing the uh, nomad for a while. As long as I can, I guess until the money runs out and sure. I've got to do something else. I'm going to, this is my plan. So I'm just going to keep bouncing from area to area and traveling different parts of this country with the dog. Well, good for you, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. You got a, you got an awesome couple of months ahead, a whole, whole season. And I'm really glad we were able to connect. We'll have to keep in touch. I'll look forward to checking out some of your videos and seeing your adventures and shoot when you're swinging back this way to hunt rough grouse. Let me know. You'll probably go right by me. All right. Yeah, definitely. will. I thought about that actually. I, uh, when I went through Minnesota, I was thinking I went through Duluth and I was oh, like, yeah. this is right where you were from. Yeah. Well, when you come back, it'll be hunting season. So you'll have to give me a heads up. Yeah, definitely. I'll get a hold of you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for taking some time to join us on Birdshot podcast. I appreciate it. Like I said, we'll keep in touch and, uh, at Northern forest gun dogs. Yep. That's me. Okay. Sounds good. I'll put links to that in the show notes and you have a great rest of your day and go find some birds, buddy. Oh yeah. That's all I've been doing. (laughs) Good deal, man. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. That does it for this episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt and Final Rise. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, and share, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.